Well, good morning, everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know me or it's been a little bit of time, my name is Kyle Jones, and I work with Student Christian Fellowship, one of the partners of all of that. And um, this has always been just a, a special place for myself and uh, my family and my Kids, various ones of them were in those videos, some of them helping and some of them probably running around causing um, people to pull out their hair, other people. Um, But um, just it was a great, great week from um, everything I saw and just a lot of good energy for for VBS. Um, As we get ready to head into our time of our message I just want to kind of lead us into um, some prayer and prayer for our, our people and our congregation. And um, one of the things I that was on my, my heart and my mind when I was just kind of sitting there, um, kind of waiting, is just to ask you all, um, as we get praying, is, is there any prayer needs that are really on your heart? or your mind right now that you wouldn't mind sharing out loud with us this morning. Like I tell my students, I'm all right with awkward silences. Um, I'm good for that. I can, I can wait it out. Um, but is there is there anyone who has something that's just really pressing on your heart and your mind? If not, great. I'm glad you all are doing amazing. That's so cool. Okay. Would um, I, I know this is going to put you on the spot, but would you mind praying out loud uh, for her right now? Thank you. Is there anybody else? All right, if you'll pray with me, I'll I'll do a more general prayer for our prayer list. So, Father, thank you so much that we can come to you and we can bring families and people like Ellen to you. But, Lord, we can also bring all the other people in, in our church family or broader family, um, friends and family of our church members, Lord, that have issues that they're wrestling or struggling with from battling cancer, Lord, to dealing with loss, Lord, to maybe some mental health or um, other conditions. Um, or God, just maybe they're in a, in a time where they're struggling financially or they've lost a job or lost a stream of income, or, Lord, there could be a thousand things. But, God, we just pray over our prayer list. We pray over our people. We pray for protection. We pray for healing. 
We pray for your love. We pray for your light to shine in their darkness. And Lord, we just pray that the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ um, just be on and be with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Well, so I don't know. Some of you probably knew this. Some of you might not have known this, but almost exactly a month ago, I was in North Africa with about 10 college students from UE and USI. And it was a pretty amazing trip. We were in a country in North Africa that's um, 99.5% Muslim. Um, so it's a different kind of a place, a different kind of environment than our students are, are used to, for sure. Um, it's a one of those countries, because of that high percentage of Muslims, that is very unreached, and a lot of the areas of the country are very un- unengaged by Christians and Christian um, missionaries and workers. Um, so there's not a lot of light, you could say, shining in that dark region of the world. And as we were, one of the things we were doing on our trip, like we did a lot of different things. We were there for about 12 days. But one of the things that we did that was pretty cool was we we took a, basically a driving trip through the mountains. And the point of this driving trip through the mountains was really a singular kind of focus. And that focus was we knew that through the mountains there were tons and tons of these little villages, these little towns, little villages, sprinkled throughout what are called the Atlas Mountains. And we were just really passionate about the fact and the reality that all these little towns and these villages sprinkled throughout these mountains had probably never had a Christian come and pray over them in Jesus' name. It's an interesting thing to think about, right? Like places in the world where the name of Jesus has never been prayed. And so we got to drive through these towns, these villages. Some of them we saw at a little bit of a distance. But we got to drive through and intentionally pray for them in Jesus' name. Pray that the light of Christ would come. Pray that God would reveal himself um, to the people in those places. You can kind of see it up there, but there's a, there's a picture of some of the mountains. Um, it was a beautiful drive, too. Um, it was... A drive, one of those drives, if you get car sick, you probably don't want to go on that drive, um, just saying. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a perilous journey, but it was amazing for what we were able to do and how we were able to pray all the way there. And then we went a different way through the mountains on the way back um, and were able to just pray over all these little villages. But as I was thinking of these villages kind of tucked away on in the mountains, I had to start to wonder to myself, like, if I was a traveler thousands of years ago, and I was tired, and I was needing shelter, and it was evening, and it was pitch dark out, where would I go? Where would I go? Where could I get out of the elements? 
Well, for, I think for the only only way for me to get out of the elements, the only way for me to find shelter when it was evening and when it was dark like that is to look on the horizon for light. Is to look for some kind of light, right? To find, see if I could find one of those little mountain villages tucked away with their like torches shining um, at their city gate or whatever, and just to start to walk towards them, right? That's the only way that I would be able to find some kind of light and some kind of shelter. In other words, if I was a traveler, a weary traveler on a mountain road like this in the middle of nowhere, what I would be looking for would be a city on a hill, right? A city on a hill. It's amazing how powerful light is, even in the darkest and most unfamiliar places, right? It's amazing how powerful light can be. And as you saw up on the screen, this last week Olivet hosted its annual VBS. And the theme of this year's VBS was Shine Your Light. Or what is it? Shine Jesus' Light. Is that right? Is that more official? Um, Shine Jesus' Light. And it was based on Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And with our time today, that's kind of where we're going to be at and we're going we're gonna to look more and look deeper into. Um, and these are my marching orders. Usually, Dave, he's good about giving me marching orders, like to tell me what I need to preach on. This time, actually, Dave was like, you know, you're, you're, free, you're free game. But Kristen, on the other hand, she said, you're going to preach on shine Jesus' light, right? You're going to preach on that, right? Yes, Kristen. Um, so as we get started, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that we come to you as the light of the world. We come to you as the light that shines in the darkness. And even in our darkest moments of life, we can depend on your light. So, Father, as we look into your word, as we spend this next time together, Lord, just um, take us deeper into who you are. And may the light of Christ just reveal many, many things, especially yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so before we, before we read our passage for today, I just want to point out a few things. For one, this passage that we're going to be in, Matthew five fourteen through 16, it is at the very beginning of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount begins in Matthew 5 and ends in Matthew 7. And it is Jesus' longest recorded sermon in Scripture. Jesus is out on a hillside with his disciples and a crowd that followed him and he begins to teach them. The sermon starts with what are referred to as the Beatitudes. Y'all familiar? Y'all know the Beatitudes? Y'all have it all memorized from back when you were in VBS, right? Um, All the Beatitudes. And then after the Beatitudes, it transitions to the salt of the earth and then the light of the world. And so the light of the world is where we're going to specifically, that section is where we're going to focus on with our time. So 
as we get started, too, there's one other thing I want to point out. And that is, this pa- in this passage, there is one big change from the previous verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it's pretty important. And if you're, how many of you like things like grammar? Anybody? Okay, there's a few of you. Most of you are like, grammar, seriously, like, we got rid of that when we were in grade school. Um, <laughs> well, well, have you seen text messages? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Because um, they, they don't have a lot of grammar in most of those. They have a lot of abbreviations. Um, but this is, this is a kind of a point to make that I think is instructive regarding the grammar. When Jesus is speaking at the end of the Beatitudes about persecution, in verse 10, he uses the third person pronoun. He says, blessed are those... And then in verses 11 and 12, when he also talks about persecution, he says, blessed are you. So going to the second person. And so there's a shift there from Jesus going more broadly to those or all people or the whole crowd or something. And then to the you where most likely we don't know this for sure, but most likely Jesus is talking to his 12, to his specific disciples He's saying, blessed are the persecuted. And then he's saying, blessed are you when you are persecuted and insulted and all these things on my behalf or just as it happened to the prophets who were before you. Right. So Jesus is more specific to blessed are you. This holds true when you get to verse 13 and verse 14, because Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. And then Jesus says, you are the light of the world. So, you might be asking, besides giving us a grammar lesson, what is the purpose to bringing this up? Well, my point is for us to recognize that the verses we are focusing on today with you are the light of the world are dependent upon things that have been said prior in the Sermon on the Mount. And these statements serve as a proclamation and a reminder to his disciples of what they are called to be. You could also say what they already are. Because Jesus is not telling his disciples to become the light of the world, but proclaiming that they already are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He doesn't say you must become the light of the world. He says you are the light of the world. Well, see, that's a powerful thing to understand, to wrestle with, to to really embody. And I think it's powerful for us as we start today, because as followers of Jesus today, One of the things we need to start off by realizing is that all of us who are in here are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. This is our very nature as followers of Jesus. So with that in mind, let's uh, turn with me to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And I think it's going to be up on the screen, but if you like the old school paper, you know, here you go. 
you can get that out. Matthew five fourteen through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The very word of the Lord. So let's start with verse 14. Jesus declares who we are or who his disciples are as the light of the world. And then he declares that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Well, this is a powerful picture analogy that everyone in the crowd would have understood. Much like what I started uh, my sermon with in talking about North Africa and the mountains and being a weary traveler looking for a place of rest. A city on a hill is something that people in the ancient world would have known as they would travel from town to town, from city to city, village to village. They're not in a car. They're not on an airplane or a train. They're usually by foot or by donkey. And they're exposed to the elements. They need places to find rest. There's wild animals on the road. And there's people who are on the road who aren't very friendly. Think about the story of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan and how the man gets, gets beaten on the road. You know, that, that comes out of a context where those things happened. And so Jesus is saying that a city on a hill cannot be hidden because when you are traveling, when you are finding and needing rest and it's dark out, that city you see in the distance becomes a beacon of hope for, for you. And it's interesting because in the ancient world, some of you probably know this and have studied this, but most cities or a lot of cities were actually on hills because cities were always conquered, right? They were always some new conquering, whatever the superpower of the world was at the time, would come in, they'd completely conquer and level a city, and then another city people would come in and build on top of that city. And then they would be conquered, and then they would next one come in and build on top of that city. And so in archaeology, it's called, they're called tells. Anybody heard that? Before, but they're called tells, the different layers of ancient cities that are t- like stacked on top of one another because of being conquered. And so, because of that, that's why you see, if you've seen some of these pictures of these ancient cities where they kind of sit up, it's maybe in a deserty area, maybe a little more flat, and then all of a sudden it looks like a mound sticking out. Because it's usually they've been built on top of one another on one another. And so it would be like a city on a hill. And you would be able to see it from a little further away. Because it's not only is it light, but it's a higher light that you could see above. And so... A city on a hill truly couldn't be hidden and travelers could see from miles away 
a place to find shelter and rest. And this is exactly what we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus, light that welcomes and provides rest for weary travelers. We're supposed to be light that provides rest for weary travelers. All right, let's look at verse 15. Now, we live in a day and age where we don't have a proper appreciation of the unique and specialness of light. We take it for granted because of electricity, modern technology. Light is rather commonplace today. But in the ancient world, this wasn't the case. People's lives revolved around the sun because of the light it gave. Because there were oil lamps and things like that, but... How much, how much light do those really provide? I mean, we have these nice lights, and probably a lot of you have homes with these nice LED lights everywhere, and it's, it's like it's not dark at all, right? It looks like it could be outside in the sun, right? Like, we are not accustomed to this in the same world. I remember there were times when Lorraine and I lived in Haiti, and we... The, the generator that kind of gave us power and electricity would be out for a long time. Um, sometime. One of our last year, our, the generator was out a lot, actually. And um, so at night, a lot of times, we would have to use things like oil lamps. And we didn't have the same type or candles. And we didn't have the same type of um, advantages, opportunities that we have in the dark that we do today. So this is just the world that people lived in in Jesus' day. And so if you're in your house, you're going to put out an oil lamp if it's dark, and you need to see or you need to move around. And you're going to want that lamp to actually give light to the house. Because that's what its purpose is. Because that's why Jesus says, well, why would someone light a, ha- light a lamp and then hide it under a basket? It doesn't make sense because you don't have extra lights to be back up. Like, that's your light. And if you hide it under the bas- basket, it's just dark. And the point of a light is to give light to the whole house. Remember, Jesus declares that we are the light of the world and we must not live with lights that are obscured by darkness or coverings. We can't hide and obscure our lights or we shouldn't hide and obscure and block the light that is in within us as followers of Jesus. In verse 16, Jesus sums it up by admonishing us to let our lights shine before all people that people might see our good deeds and glorify the Father. In other words, as his disciples, we are called to live in a certain way. And this way of living creates a distinction or a contrast to the way the world lives. Very simply, a follower of Jesus shines his or her light amidst the darkness of the world by living according to the way and the teachings of Jesus. But following the way and the teachings of Jesus 
the natural byproduct of that will be good deeds. If we follow the way of Jesus, if we follow his teachings, we cannot help but have good deeds, good fruit be born through us and in us. Byproduct of those are testimonies and incredible stories of God and, of course, transformed lives. Not only our own, but transformed lives of those around us when we let our light shine. People will see that. People will notice that. And they will glorify the Father who is in heaven. However, if our lights don't shine, not only will we be working against our very nature, because once again, we are the light of the world. And if our light is not shining, we're working against our very nature. But we will be failing to provide a way for others to get to know our Heavenly Father. And let's be honest, a world that doesn't know the Father is very dark indeed. So not only are we working against our nature by not shining our light, but we are preventing opportunities for those around us to know the Father. So let me take a step back for a moment and ask a serious question. To what darkness are we called to shine our light? To what darkness are we called to shine our light? I feel like for some of us, we fail to be light because we fail to recognize the darkness. Let's look at our personal lives or the personal lives of maybe some of those around us or who we know or who are near and dear to us. Is there brokenness? Is there sin? Is there destructive attitudes and behaviors? I don't know if any of you have had any experience with any of those things or those around you. Look at our city. Is there poverty? Is there oppression? Is there division? Look at our country. Is there immorality and corruption? Look at our world. Is there war? Is there poverty? Is there oppression? Is there persecution? You don't have to watch the news very long to see that darkness, sin, and evil are all present realities that are unavoidable in our world. In fact, one is liable to find themselves depressed if they really stop and reflect on the surrounding darkness the declining morality, the rise of violence, and the loss of absolutes. The unfortunate reality is that you and I are liable liable to fall into these same patterns of darkness if we fail to allow our lights to shine. But, but, I have hope. And you should too. And you know why I have hope? That even in the midst of all this darkness, we can have 
great light? Well, let me, let me show you. I have hope because of Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep, deep darkness, a light has dawned. About Isaiah 60, 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. Well, wait, what about John? Let's go to John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings brightness of your dawn. What about John twelve forty six? I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me would stay in darkness. What about John eight twelve? When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, 2,000 years ago, a baby was birthed in a stable outside of Bethlehem in Judea. This baby would grow up into a man. He would one day face the deepest darkness, death, but would overcome it victorious. This was the same man who would proclaim himself as the light of the world and then show us what shining your light before men truly looked like. This was the same man who declared to you and I and all of his followers that we are the light of the world just as He was. All those prophecies we read in Isaiah and other places about Him, we get to follow along in the same pattern as Jesus and bring that light, to let that light continue to rise in the darkness, the darkness that covers the people, that covers the nations. We get to be and bring the light if we allow our light to shine. The end of Isaiah 49.6 says, He says, Is it too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept? I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. As we drove and we prayed for those villages in the mountains of North Africa, we prayed that they would see and know the light of the world. For we wanted, we truly wanted God's salvation to reach 
the ends of the earth. That's the call, right? Go therefore into all nations and make disciples, right? Jesus leaves in Acts 1.8. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We have a responsibility. And on the trip with my students, we had a responsibility to shine our light in a dark place that that place may know the salvation of the Lord. My question for you and me today is who are the people in our lives that need us to shine our light? Who are the people in your life that need you to shine your light? Is it a family member? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend? Is it a neighbor down the street? You know that neighbor who never quite mows their lawn the right way? Some of you are laughing about that. That must be a real thing. Now, but who are those people in your life that they need you to shine your light? I bet if you took a few minutes and you just sat and you listened, I bet the Lord would just... Start putting picture, just start putting faces and names. Because the reality is there are a lot of people in our lives who need to see the light of Christ in us. They are living in darkness and they need us to shine our light because they might not have another chance to see it. So here's my challenge for us today. My challenge is for you to pray this week, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to you at least one person. I say at least, okay? At least one person to shine your light to, okay? So your challenge is to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you at least one person. But I didn't put this up here, but I guess I don't need to say it, but I need to say it. And that's when the Lord does that, then actually do it. Shine your light to those people, right? Like, yeah, it's, I, I would be very happy that you guys prayed and the Lord spoke to you. That would be amazing to me, but I would love for you to take it that next step and obey and then shine your light to those people who keep places on your heart and in your mind. So let me end with some good news. Jesus doesn't ask something of you and I that he isn't already himself. He doesn't ask something of us that he isn't himself. He says we are the lie of the world, But he also says that he is the light of the world. 
So he's not asking us to do or be something that he isn't. He is light that shines in the darkness and can dispel even the deepest and darkest of nights. And so as we go out to shine our light, we go in his example and we go in his strength. We go in his example and we go in his strength. This isn't something we have to manufacture ourselves. This is we're going in his example and his strength. Remember, though, that Jesus does give us one negative thing, and that is a warning against not letting our light shine. Because what good is a light that is shining that is hidden? You don't even know it was there, right? Like, what good... Let's see if I can get this without breaking something. What good is light that is hidden, that is covered, that is obscured? What purpose does it serve except to look a little bit tacky up here with a black tablecloth hanging over it? Sorry, that was the best way I could <laughs> the best I could come up with. But my point, I think, is this with that is y'all probably didn't even know there was a candle and a light here. You didn't know that those candles were over there or over here. Because the way we know it is by the light. And when we hide our light, we're not helping anybody. We're not helping anything. We're not even helping ourselves. And this is Jesus' point. Why light a lamp? Why be a light that is just hidden, that is covered? Lights are supposed to shine. They're meant to shine. You all and me, we're meant to shine. You are the light of the world and you are meant to shine your light. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you just so much for giving us a picture of what it means to follow you, for what it means to be light in the midst of a dark world. Father, I think if it's just me, but maybe it's more than me, but just confess to you the times where we have allowed the light that is within us to be obscured, to be covered, to be hidden. Lord, we, we confess that. We seek forgiveness for that. Lord, we want to step into that reality that we are the light of the world and that we have a duty, we have an obligation, we have a responsibility, and we have an opportunity to shine our light that the world may see in us your goodness, your good fruit, and glorify the Father who is in heaven. We know that just as a little light 
in the distance can dispel darkness, can provide hope, can lead us to a place of rest and shelter and healing. We know, Lord, that that's what your light can do in this dark world we live in. God, I just pray for all who are here this morning, Lord, who are going to accept and embrace the challenge and to just seek you about people in their lives who they need to shine their light to and among. Lord, I pray that you are faithful to reveal at least one person or more to them. And then, Lord, help them, give them the boldness, give them the courage, give them the strength to actually shine their light. Oh, great light of the world, we come to you. We say thank you. We say bless you. We say receive all the glory and honor and praise for it is in the wonderful and powerful shining light of Jesus, we pray. Amen.